Coming up next on the Jeff Crilly Show, you'll meet a man who admits that he was not always living a Christian life. He's had a big change and he's going to help share his light with the world. That's next. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I attended a conference a couple of weeks ago, and there were hundreds of people at the conference, but one man stood out, uh, not just because he's tall, 6'4", I'm guessing, <laughs> around there, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he has a larger-than-life uh, personality, and, and we all know where he gets that from. Uh, Jeff Matero is in the studio. He's an yeah. author and host of At the Table Podcast. Yeah, Thanks thank you. I appreciate it, man. This was, uh, I think that was the main reason I was supposed to be at that conference, was to meet you. So yeah, that means so it was, much. Uh, it was worth every, every cent, every thank Every moment of time. So, are you six four? I'm about six three and a half, almost yeah. six four. <laughs> pretty tall, pretty tall. Oh, well, share a little bit of your journey because uh, we were talking before the show. Uh, you, you weren't always living a Christian life. Yeah, I mean, it started. My so my parents. Um, I grew up in a Christian church, um, and then around um, nine, not then around 1991. In 1991, um, today actually, December 12, 1991, my mom and brother died in a car accident and um that just kind of sent me on a different course right i i um kind of gave the lord the middle finger and it was just like you know i want nothing to do with you my mom loved jesus my brother loved jesus and um if that was how he allowed things to happen to people who um who loved him i didn't want nothing to do with him and so that just kind of sent me on a course for us 13 and so for 11 years, it was just, I did whatever I wanted, you know, I ended up joining the military because I legally wanted to go overseas and kill people. And um, I got deployed right after 9-11. We were two days away from shipping out from Fort Lewis and we ended up not going, sat in Fort Lewis for a year and that's when I got saved. Wow. Yeah. So tell me about that day. What happened? Yeah. So that was a real interesting day. My, my ex-wife had... Um, called and told me she'd wanted a, a divorce and that kind of just set a set me on this this course i ended up meeting my cousin david who um i i kind of attribute a lot to uh, my initial steps into getting saved because i had a lot of preconceived notions about christians that they were just a bunch of old you know like dilbert looking people sitting in a church sitting down and standing up singing hymns all day long because that's that's what it was like when we lived in wyoming where my mom and brother died so um he ended up taking me to a church in, um, oh man, outside Fort Lewis, Washington, in, in Puyallup. And uh, it just started breaking down all these walls that I'd had about uh, Christians and um, just what pastors looked like and all that stuff. And then that was in 2003. And so for about the next year, I still, you know, I was more open to Jesus and that kind of stuff. And 
Um, I'd gone to church here and there, but I was still kind of just doing everything that I ever wanted. You know what I mean? I was still sleeping around. I had multiple girlfriends. And, but the day I got saved, I remember the night before I'd ended up going to a Christian concert in Bend, Oregon at Westside Church. And they were singing all these songs, Hillsong songs I'd never heard of. You know, I thought it was just all these old Carmen hymns that were awful. And, and so um, it was the first time I heard the Lord speak. And he was talking about my kid, my son Daniel. He's 22 now. But at the time, he was really young. And he'd said, um, these are the kids that are going to teach your son about me, and I need someone to get him ready. And I didn't understand what I was hearing at the time. And um, that night, the lady on the stage talked about Hannah and the Bible. And, um, and she was saying how when Hannah couldn't have a kid, she was like, well, if you do this, I'll do this. And I had never heard anything like that. So I went, to, uh, I went home, woke up the next day. I was super depressed. And uh, I mean, I was even, you know, hinting suicide at that point. I was a raging alcoholic, you know, and I, I say I was an alcoholic. I was never diagnosed an alcoholic. I just like drinking. Um, but um, that, that Monday, um, the only place I felt comfortable was the church. And so I went to the church and spoke with a guy and he said they were having a men's meeting that night. And in that men's meeting, um, I'd be able to connect with, you know, other guys that were my age. So I called the guy his name's uh, Caleb Brown. He actually lives here in Frisco now. So mm -hmm. it's quite fun that uh, one of the guys that was like really instrumental in me coming to know Christ and really, really running with him when I first got saved lives here now. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, uh, I went to the small group and I mean, that even just completely destroyed my perception. The first guy I walked in the room had these tattoos all over himself and had piercings, shaved head. I was like, oh, this guy's obviously like a Nazi or something, right? <laughs> like he is not gonna, he's not a Christian at all. Anyway, um, he and him and I ended up becoming really good friends. I actually became his roommate for about a year. Um, but during that time, the same gal came in the room and talked about Hannah again. And so I went to, um, I went to bed that night and uh, I'd just gotten a call that day from a gal that said, hey, you know, I might be pregnant, you know, and, and I just, I was like, I can't even take care of the kid I got. There's no way I can take care of another one. And at that time, my son and his mom lived in Alaska, you know, and I was in Oregon. And uh, so I went to bed that night and I just said, you know, hey, Lord, if there's any way you can get me up to see my kid, I'd love it. Cause I just I was broke all the time. Cause I just drank all the time and spent my money on women. And, and, uh, and then I said, and then if there's any way that this gal just couldn't be pregnant, you know, my life is yours. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even know what I was saying. Got up the next day and, uh, went to work and it was just like any other day. You know, I was in the military full time in Oregon and gone to the office and my, my, um, training readiness NCO, Sergeant DeSanto was like, hey, I need you to take something down to FedEx. So I drove on down to FedEx and dropped something off. And I'm in the car and my phone rings and it's that gal. And she calls and she says, hey, I'm not pregnant. And I lost it. I was just like, sobbing masked man in a uniform. You know what I mean? Drive back to the office, trying not to look like I just spent the last 30 minutes crying on the way back. And I get to, um, I get into the office and I check my email and there's an email there. And the National Guard Bureau does a conference, so they did back then every year where the command sergeant majors from every state get together. And this year that they were doing it, it was on the, the effects of deployments on families and soldiers. And one of the three states that was speaking was Oregon because we were one of the most deployed states at the time. And, uh, and they were having it in Alaska. And the command sergeant major for our state picked me to go and speak. And it was a month away. 
And so I was like, hot dog, man. So I, I ended up going and uh, running out into the back of the motor pool uh, where all the, the big trucks, semi-trucks and bulldozers were. And I just fell on my face and gave my life to Jesus, man. That was it. Wow, that's, that was a start. <laughs> that's, that's one of the most powerful stories I think I have ever heard. Uh, we've got a video, and I want you to set this up before we play it. Yeah. So, so it's an overview of a course. Yeah. So this is um, so after um, after I got out of the military, I traveled around the world with YWAM, uh, Youth with a Mission, um, out of New Zealand. I uh, moved to New Zealand for a year and a half, and um, and then came back to the states. And there were just some things that I had never like really dealt with, right? Like I got saved, and no one told me that you know the Lord wants to heal your 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 mind, soul, and spirit, not just your spirit. Right. And um, and so coming out of them, out of uh, YWAM, even being a Christian after 10 years, I still struggled with drinking. Um, I had a lot of shame, didn't understand how to deal with any of that. Didn't really understand mindset, nothing like that. So um, I get married again. I have two kids and uh, it just seems like I end up going through this uh, kind of a prodigal son thing. Right. Where I feel like the Lord doesn't really want doesn't really want to be around Jeff. Like he loves Jeff because he has to, but he doesn't like Jeff. And, um, and it was, uh, my wife and I ended up moving our family to go serve with YWAM in, um, Kona, Hawaii for two years. And we ended up lasting three months and coming home. And I mean, we had nothing, we were broken. Um, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I just didn't know how to handle I mean, that just felt like a massive failure. So there's a lot of shame tied up in that, right? You feel shame. You want to numb this shame, so you drink. You want to numb the drinking, so you, you, know, you look at porn or whatever. And then you feel bad again, so you numb that shame with more alcohol, right? It's just this nasty cycle. No one taught me about renewing your mind. Like, no one. No one ever did. And so I end up going through this um, encounter with the Lord one night while I'm, like, blasted drunk. And... Uh, he tells me about, um, he, he breaks down these barriers again that I have built up around the perception of who God is. And um, that starts me on this course of um, renewing your mind. And, um, and then I'm sitting down watching Apollo 13 shortly, you know, maybe a few years after this has all happened and everything like that and stopped drinking and learned all these things about renewing the mind. I'm watching Apollo 13 and the Lord goes, hey, you want to hear something really cool? I'm like, yeah, I like hearing cool things, especially from you. And he goes, the Apollo 13 story is the same story as Prodigal Son. And it really shocked me. I was like, what? And, um, and so then he started talking to me about how my journey was the same story as the Prodigal Son. And it broke it all down. So the course is actually called Houston, We Have a Problem. Wow. And it's about um, redirecting your identity and destiny with the... Uh, with renewing your mind and how Jesus sees you. Wow, that's right? a great way to, so, to set this yeah. up. Let's go ahead and roll the tape. We all have this deep desire in us to live an extraordinary life full of adventure and love. And in fact, adventure and love are two of the six basic human needs. And how we define that extraordinary life differs from person to person, but that desire is there regardless. But what often happens is fear and conditioning and a belief that our circumstances and mistakes are too great to overcome that have caused us to live a life that, if we're honest with ourselves, isn't the life we want to live or one that we find worth living. So we check out. We accept the reality that we have to try and get through our lives in any way that helps us forget. 
So in this course, we're going to define where you are, how you've been communicating with yourself. We're gonna get you to be think, begin, we're gonna get you to begin to think differently with the help of the truth. And the truth is a person, and that person is Jesus. And we're gonna define who you are and who you are not according to the truth. And we're gonna identify the leverage that already exists that you need to change. And we're gonna lay out a future that you're going to live. so powerful and and how long have you been running this it's a year ago in october is when we launched it we my wife and i uh i wrote a book first called houston we have a problem and then that course comes from the book and um and so i put together all the slides and everything we staged it all in my living room filmed it all ourselves uh i edited it and then we just put it up about a year ago wow okay yeah. More on that in a second. We're yeah. going to pull up your website, and as we scroll down your website, I just want to brag about. I mean, Jeff, you've got you got a lot going on. Not only is it a clean uh, website, but um, I love the way you don't hide your your faith under a bushel. You put it right out there. Uh, so, talk more about your your ministry and um, how you engage with people. Uh, is there different ways for people to connect with you? Yeah, I. Um I struggle with social media, right? Like the, the fact of the matter is social media is there and I, I just need to get over myself and use it. Um, but I like to, I like to be stubborn and uh, I think it's a good quality. Um, but, um, social media is really where it's at, right? I've realized that I need to be able to communicate more with the people that I've got, um, that do follow and even people who don't know who I am, you know, and, um, I would really, really like to, to get the messages out that we have, right? Like, so my first book, because Jesus talks about the simplicity of being able to hear God, and it's just told in story form. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like I'm ripping out scripture and all those things too. Yeah. So. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold up the book cover, and uh, we also have a full screen of this book cover, Because Jesus. Okay, tell us about the title. Yeah, so this was originally called I'm Jeff Doing Jesus Things. Um, and mm -hmm. it was because what it is, is it's about, I tell that story that I just told you at the beginning about how I got saved. And then I tell the story about how I got out of the military and I moved to New Zealand with no money. The Lord called me to go to New Zealand with YWAM. I ended up going with zero money. It was an $8,000, $9,000 school and mine was the first paid off. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that tells the story of that. It tells the story about... Um, there was a week during my school called Faith Week where they put us in teams of three and then they drop us off in the middle of nowhere and say, we'll see you in a week. Wow. You got to hear from the Lord. And so we just, we'd spend time praying and we'd go where the Lord sent us. It was an incredible experience. Um, and then it talks about some of the things I learned when I was on outreach and then just some things that happened afterwards. Sure. And so... You already mentioned your second book. We're going to pull the, the, mm -hmm. uh, the full screen of that. Houston, we have a problem. If somebody were to read this book, uh, should you read Because Jesus first? Nope. Okay. No, this is just, uh, Because Jesus is just a, uh, a book on, it, it is simple to hear the Lord speak. He wants to talk. Mm -hmm. He's talking all the time. Yes. Right. Like sometimes I'm just like, I want to talk to you right now. Like, I just, even though when you talk to me, I like it, but I kind of just want to do my own thing. And he's like, nope, you know, and, uh, and uh, it's super simple. He likes to talk. And, and, so, and uh, the Houston, we have a problem. Who, who, who uh, did you write that book for? So those were just like, I found um, coming out of 
doing missions work with my wife, we discovered that a lot of pastors and a lot of missionaries and even just a normal, you know, I hate to say everyday Christian because I think even pastors and missionaries are everyday Christians, um, are hurting. They don't know how to move past some of the things they got roadblocks with, mm -hmm. right? And it's just shifting your perspective and how you think. Like I had a conversation with somebody who's been on your show before, Oksana, and I was sharing um, I just have some regrets that I don't know how to get past. And, and she shifted the way of my thinking just last week. And it's completely mm. broken. Some of the things that were kind of holding me back, which was great, you know, and I needed that. And that's what this book does. And the course does is it, um, first of all, helps you accept or helps you recognize where you're at, right? You want to recognize where you're at and it just helps you accept the fact that you may have messed up. Mm. Like you can't do nothing to fix it. There might need to be conversations you have and go to somebody and apologize, but well, that's one, you know, it's life, right? Yeah. And, and then from there, we begin to identify how the Lord sees you, right? So you can begin speaking to yourself that way. And then we create leverage by doing a couple exercises. And then at that point, we go to the Lord and say, um, the way I've been living is um, past present. I've been allowing things from my past to affect me now. And what I want to do is live, live uh, present future. Mm. So what are the words you've spoken to me? So how can I get those prophetic words and what you've said and my current situation to come and meet up? Yes. So that way, yep. Uh, you have a very popular uh, podcast called At the <laughs> Table and, and you, do yeah. it, you do it with Brittany. Is that right? Um, she's, she's there sometimes, yeah. um, but a lot of the time it's just me with a guest. Yeah. Okay. But, we're we're going to put up uh, the uh, Spotify page so you mm -hmm. can see what it's, what does At the Table mean to you? So I'd actually had a, I was sitting in a moment in one of those times during, during that time when I was having these uh, meetings with the Lord in the evening, I had this nasty white chair with this red floral powder pattern on it that we'd gotten like for free or something. And I just put my feet up on the wall and I'd just sit and listen and hang out with the Lord. And I remember he, he gave me this vision where I was a grown adult, right? Like I was a grown adult, but I was like a little kid mm -hmm. and we were climbing up and sitting on this table. And there were all these individuals I would have never thought that would have been there. And um, we were just eating a meal and he was having so much fun. And then we had this, uh, this like demon walk in the room and in a flash, he's in from one end of the table to the other, he just kind of tears it in half, but he's looking back at us laughing the whole time. And we're just goofing off as adults, but we're young kids, you know what I mean? And um, to me, it was just like, there's always a place, one, there's always a place for you at my table. It's family, right? Um, the other one is, whoo, thinking about my wife. She always says, uh, the Lord puts the lonely in family, right? So that's one part of it means. But the other one is, is that in my presence, when you're at my table, it says in the presence, the Lord sets a table for me in the presence of my enemy. So when you're in the thick of it, right? And you're, you know, stuff's hitting the fan. He's not thinking about how we're going to fight this. He's like, Hey, let's sit down and eat. You know what I mean? Yes. So at the table was his idea, right? I wanted to have a show and that's pretty much how all these creative endeavors began is he just is like, Hey, let's do this. And I'm like, great. Here's all these names of things I can call it. And he's like, why don't we call it this? Wow. I'm like, Oh, that's great. Uh, Jeff, you're <laughs> truly one of the most uh, transparent people I've ever had a chance to interview. Uh, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about the ranch. Yeah. So tell us about the ranch. Yeah. So, okay. So about five years ago, we're coming up on six years, actually in March. Um, my wife and I were looking at wanting to buy a home in central Oregon. 
And I always used to do this thing where I'd like go to Malibu and remove all the filters and look at like $44 million homes and be like, baby, I found our house. And she'd just be like, you're ridiculous. And, uh, but then we were looking in Central Oregon and like Bend and Redmond and Prineville and the Lord told Brittany, hey, remove your filters. And so she did. And she ends up finding this horse ranch in Sisters, Oregon. It's called the R&B Ranch. And uh, it was for sale for $24 million. And she shows it to me and I was just like, oh man, this is gorgeous. And we start getting this download from the Lord about how it, he wants to use the land for pastors and missionaries to come and stay out for free. And so we sat on it for a few days and just kind of thought about it. And I went, I remember sitting at the park with my kids and I said, Lord, is this like legit? Like, is this something you want us to do? And he goes, yeah, it'll be the first of two that you buy. And the second one will be in Los Angeles. And he goes, and you'll pay $17 million for this ranch. Wow. And so, but it was a $24 million at that point. And so um, that was in March. And in June that year, we put an offer in on the property at $17 million. And they didn't say no. Um, they didn't reject the offer. They just said, hey, can you, um, can you show proof of ability to purchase? And we were like, well... You know, we're YWAMers. We just pray and the Lord gives it. And they're just like, oh, okay, that's funny. And so they ended up just letting the offer expire, but they really liked what we wanted to do because we were the first ones to um, approach the owners um, that wanted to buy the property and not use it for marijuana growth. Wow. And so, um, you know, fast forward two years later, um, the Lord has me to go to Sisters and I don't want to go. I'm just pitching a little bit of a pity party. And, uh, I finally go, begrudgingly go, uh, after about an hour and a half, I get there. And um, that's when I discovered that night before the price had dropped to $17 million. And, um, and then that was, in, that was in 2021 is when the price dropped. And um, it sat on the market for a while, recently sold, but um, my 12 year old Jude, he'd come up to me after we found out he'd sold, he'd see I was a little upset and he goes, hey dad, that person's just holding it for us. No big deal. It's ours, you know? So it was, yeah. <laughs> All right. And we've got a couple minutes left, Jeff. So I want you to look right into the camera and talk to the person who is struggling right now and, uh, and speak to that person about why they, they may want to just reach out to you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be a believer and feel like you've completely let down the Lord. I know what it feels like to completely feel, you know, you feel like you've completely let down your family, your friends, whatever it may be. Um, but I'm going to tell you, the Lord doesn't look at you that way. Um, one of the things I like to say is I got a mushy heart and a sailor's mouth. And that's one of the big things that I struggle with is that, um, you know, I can come off hot headed sometimes and that'll maybe set me back. But one of the things that I learned is that the Lord isn't concerned with any of those things, right? He doesn't see you in that way. He sees you through the blood of Jesus and when you go to him and you talk to him and he, he wants to talk to you, um, he's not going to address any of that. Um, he's going to want you to just be with him. And then the byproduct of being with him is that your life is going to change and transform. And so I'd really just encourage you to go check out Houston. We have a problem. Get a hold of me. If you just want to talk, I like talking to people. I like talking and, um, yeah, we'll see what we can do for you. That was beautiful. Yeah. Jeff. We're going to end with Jeff's website, which is of course, Jeff Matero. Dot com. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom and, and your ministry with the world. Yeah, thank you. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.